0: I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are are Status Macabre.
1: Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre.
0: And we're back. And we're back. And I know Chrissy is so excited. Oh, you have no idea. She cannot wait.
2: Well, some uh, uh, that, but I, I also like it to be my turn.
0: That's fair, right? I like it to be It, it, is, my it turn. is cool when you get to control all the buttons. I know. And you're like over there listening, you're like, oh God. God, we God we hurry it. up. And yeah, I know. So how was your week? It was, uh, it was uh, pretty uneventful I work like, and taking care of the dog. And that's pretty much it okay yeah um,
2: how about um, you went to the lady doctor that was fun yeah. not really <laughs> but it made me think of this damn episode
0: yeah yeah i
2: mean you didn't come in with carrots or anything but
0: <laughs> i just you know when you've got all the wrong parts too so that's
2: fair i have so. orifices though
0: Ooh. okay so
2: I figured we might as well just like
0: let's I mean, call it out. It's gonna let's get crazy. We know we're. we're I, I we're, know we're I'm talking. trying to type it. So, <laughs> you
2: know, top it.
0: We're talking about Robert Burdella Yeah, we are. Episode three.
2: Thank God it's almost over. He's. I know.
0: I know. It's even even some of the things I hate saying, but um, he's murdered. Uh, he's tortured and murdered and dismembered five men. Already. So basically we're wrapping it up. So we're on to his final victims, uh, his capture and uh, subsequently what happens to him, um, what he ends up being sentenced to etc 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 so I'm just gonna go ahead and just jump right in
2: that's fine I was gonna talk about my lady visit
0: I, see and see and see <laughs> how just I kidding. see how I was just like I, I just <laughs> evaded. <laughs> you see how she did that she was like fuck you Chrissy
2: we're not talking <laughs> about that we're just gonna go into my stuff see this is why I like it when it's my turn
0: I know, I know. I know. <laughs> it's almost like, because you're in control. We both oh, like are like, I was going to say, we so. both have a little bit of control yeah, we issues. We, we realize that. So, so. Um, Let's just get to it. Yeah. So, we, you know, like I've said, it's been five victims so far. We're down to the last episode. It's 1987. So we are still in the 80s. Oh, um, sweet 80s. More than 11 months have passed since. Anyone has, uh, since Robert's had anyone prisoner, and we know, like, we had the first guy, then it wasn't quite a year, then it was just two months, and then it was three months, and then now he's waited a little bit of a length of time. Right. Before he's... uh, Well, he's
2: got... A a ton ton of of pictures. He's He's got got diary. diary.
0: Thank you. He's got the head in the backyard. Remember, right?
2: And Um, he's got his bizarre, bizarre. Yeah,
0: he's he's got should be golden. I was gonna say, how how do you not have enough tranquilizers, whatever? (sighs) So, but you know, Robert's life has been pretty normal, and I and I venture to say that his normal and our normal would be different because I don't seek the comfort of uh, prostitutes well so correct you know it's normal for him and what's you know normal for the spider is chaos for the fly so oh look at you define normal that was great i know i love that it's one of my favorites
2: oh i thought you just came up with that
0: no i wish i could claim it yeah yes i just came up with that (laughs) (laughs) robert robert is still seeing male prostitutes but has found you know he's not really found anyone worth keeping as a prisoner And, and like we said with the exception of the that uh, gardener guy that just kind of landed in his back shed when it was storming. He, He really does this when he's really sexually attracted to someone. In June, Robert was on his way to Ohio to visit family when he got a call from Larry Pearson, a young, oftentimes homeless man that he has known for many years. Larry was arrested for indecent exposure after flashing cars during a drug-induced bender <laughs> and, was, and was like the, the friends you keep, right? And he was being held in the Kansas City jail.
2: I, I'm just envisioning driving down the street and some dude's flashing me because he's high on some crazy shit, fentanyl. <laughs>
0: what, yeah, whatever they're doing now or whatever they did back then. His bail was, now his bail was only set at $150 and I don't, I can't, I don't know what, I think it's like maybe what, $500, $750, it's maybe the $1,000. Then the your penis. But uh, he didn't have the money to get himself out and <laughs> <laughs> he, call, he called Robert and asked if he could borrow the money so he could get out of jail. And Robert had always liked Larry, who was polite and soft-spoken. He's
2: so polite. He showed me his wee-wee. So
0: Robert allowed Larry to you know he you know he'd let him stay at his home uh, o- over the past years but they never engaged in any sort of sexual relationship. Robert would agree to pay the bond on one condition that Larry agreed to come home with him to Ohio to meet his family. Faced with either wow. yeah faced with either spending the next foreseeable future in jail or taking a road trip with Robert he agreed and they spent the next week together visiting family.
2: That is rather interesting. Mm-hmm. He's bringing this flasher home to see his mom and stepdad. It really
0: does. It's really. It's really uneventful. Um, but you know, he he wanted him for other reasons. Oh and no, this was the only I, way to get him. I but guess. for the next two weeks, Larry slept on the living room couch. Mm-hmm. Of, um, of. Robert's home and he was showing little to no interest in getting a job or helping out around the house and it angered Robert. You know, Robert doesn't like to be taken advantage of. Robert,
2: Robert is a an angry, angry soul. And it wasn't He's an, always angry.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't until after they went to see the horror movie Creep Show two that Robert started to think about taking Larry as a prisoner.
2: It only occurred then.
0: Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I, was I think it probably say. popped in, but
2: Creepshow really, it clinched the deal. It did.
0: (laughs) On the way home from the movie, they drove by the male prostitutes, and Larry laughed about how he and his friends used to beat up the young homosexual males for fun. Uh He was bragging about it, and, of course, it pissed Robert off. Over the next day, Robert and Larry drank, um, and, you know, they they took drugs. And around 6.30 p.m., Larry passes out. Larry was a good bit larger than uh, Robert was used to and uh he couldn't carry him up the stairs like he could all the way up to floor three into the bedroom so robert cleans out an area in the basement he injects him with drink tranquilizers to make sure he doesn't wake up and then he ties him uh with piano wire into the basement he just drags him down to the basement right okay he injects his throat with drain cleaner to damage the voice box and for the next five days Larry endures the electrocution, the injections, the painful acupuncture, which uh, is the syringes. And, of course, the sodom, You know, he sodomized over and over. And for the most part, Larry was semi-conscious and could offer a little resistance to the sexual assaults. Now, remember we talked about in the last episode, he likes them to be semi-conscious because he wants right. them to feel the pain. Right. Their reaction really gets them off or turns them on or whatever. Robert explained the rules to Larry, that he was only to talk when spoken to, and that he must not resist him sexually. If he didn't follow the rules, he'd be punished. One morning, Larry began to cry out for help. Robert came down to the basement, turned on the power transformer, and tortured the man with electrical shocks to his testicles. Mm. As the days went on, a daily routine was established. Every morning, Robert would come down into the basement and have sex with Larry, And this was followed by a large injection of tranquilizers before he went to work. You know, so he wouldn't get loud. Right. Once he returned home and before dinner, Robert would assault Larry with a variety of methods typically designed to prevent him from escaping. uh, He used an iron bar to smash his fingers. He injected more drain cleaner into his throat. After the first week, Robert moved a mattress down to the basement because sex on the floor was just too uncomfortable. For him. I was gonna say for him, you mean? Yeah. Larry was becoming more cooperative and Robert told him, quote, you were going to be my sex slave, end quote. And if he didn't fight back and did exactly what he was told, he would be rewarded. Oh. And he wanted to be called Master Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not funny. It's
2: Master Bob. Master. I'm just
0: thinking about Bob the Builder. That's
2: oh my God, about. that's exactly that's I what about. I
0: was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Larry was kept prisoner for almost three weeks. When Robert decided to move him up to the bedroom to the second floor, Robert put a dog collar on his neck and led him up the, up the stairs by a dog leash. Robert told Larry that if he behaved, he would be allowed to watch TV and remain in the bedroom. But if he disobeyed him, he's going to go back to the basement. Mm. The will to resist left Larry's mind. He became more submissive, pretended to enjoy the anal sex he was receiving on a daily basis, and telling Robert how good it felt. And this really pleased him. He, um, they started to have, uh, they started a habit where they had breakfast together every day. Robert began to trust Larry more and more, and began receiving oral sex. Now, if you recall, that's not something. He's done in the past was with any of his victims. Right, that's
2: a new thing. It is.
0: And he was receiving oral sex from him on a regular basis. And now it's August. Larry has been wow. held against his will for two months. Robert had almost completely stopped the torture methods and only electrocuted him if he broke a house rule. Mm-hmm. Rob, Yeah, Robert was checking his mail while Larry was giving him a blowjob and suddenly a horrific Pain shot through him and he realized Larry bit his penis as hard as he could.
2: Wait, okay. So I got a question. Mm -hmm. How's he checking his mail?
0: He's just sitting. Oh, you mean
2: like paper mail?
0: Yeah. I'm like, how in
2: the hell does that work?
0: Not email.
2: (laughs) Hey, it's hard to remember what we did back in the 80s. I know. I know. okay so
0: you know i wrote this so i had a little more time to let it sink in so yeah, i'm yeah. not gonna i'm not gonna pick Thanks, on you <laughs> i appreciate it because i was like wait a minute how in the hell does that work in yeah. the 80s so yeah he's actually he's physically holding mail <laughs> that was like, put look, in a mailbox he's looking at the reader's digest yes. he's yes.
2: looking at you know the electric bill uh-huh. a little bit harder exactly mm-hmm. yes, so,
0: right Robert, Yeah. right so, <laughs> there Robert is in a tremendous amount of pain because he bit the shit out of the stick, (laughs) you guys. And he's enraged. He picks up a large wooden stick and he he told Pearson that he's going to feel, quote, what it was like, quote and began beating him on the back, the head, the face, and the ribs. And he beat him until he lost lost consciousness.
2: It's too bad that, like, he didn't, incapacitate Robert yeah. by the dick bite.
0: Yeah. Robert then ties Larry up and he drives himself to the hospital. He They stopped the bleeding and they had to sew him up. And by the way, he received many, many stitches. How embarrassing. You're yeah. sitting at the doctor's office and you're like, sir, yeah. um, how did
2: this happen? Well,
0: my prisoner bit me. My prisoner bit me. They, they also told him he would have to stay for several days um, until his wounds started to heal. His wounds were so bad that they had to insert a catheter into his bladder. Like, he he bit, he bit him wow. really, really bad. Um, and Larry was probably about to gain consciousness. So he told the doctors that he needed to go home to take care of uh, a litter of puppies that his dogs had just had, but that he would come right back. He gets into a cab. And he heads straight to the house. And when Robert got there, he saw Larry was breathing but unconscious, with sever with severe bruises and marks all over his body from the beating. Robert knew it would be a while before he would be able to have a painless erection, and Larry's value was no longer important to him. He picked up a plastic bag. He walks over to Larry. He puts the bag over his head and he just suffocates him. He left him on the bed. He turns the AC way down. He goes back downstairs, he hops into the taxi, and he goes back to the hospital. I
2: I can see him on the way over in the taxi. Everything's cool, yeah. Thanks so much yeah, for taking me. T- yeah, I'm sorry. I know I have a lot Hello, of gauze my in my dog. pants. <laughs> I know there's some blood coming through. Yeah. Like, how in the hell? Do you put a Band-Aid on that? Like, oh, my God. Can you?
0: No. I, I don't know. I would imagine that it's... um. Yeah, it's the stitches, and he's got to probably sit in a particular position at all times, right? I I don't know. Got a
2: little donut on his wiener.
0: Maybe. Oh, yeah. So Larry Pearson was dead for three days by the time Robert was released from the hospital. When Robert came home, and despite being in rough shape after having his penis operated on um, and a catheter still inserted into his bladder, he drags Larry down to the basement, and he starts to dismember him. He's weak, he's still in a lot of pain himself, which as far as I'm concerned is not enough pain. But uh, Robert can only work on one part of the body at a a time and he needs to rest and it takes several, it takes two days actually for him to cut up the body, wrap it in plastic and put it by the road. He notes in his diary how easily the flesh pulls away from the joints on a body that had been dead for several days and there was no need to drain Larry's blood because most of it had started to, you know, harden harden, and, and become gel-like. Robert decided that he wanted to keep Larry's head, so he wrapped it in plastic and put it in the freezer for almost a week. Then he dug up Robert Sheldon's head, replaced it with Larry Pearson's head, um, and then he took the old head into the house and soaked it in a bucket of water. He removed the teeth with pliers and put the upper and lower teeth in two separate envelopes. He separated what bone fragments he could and he put them into the closet, and um, he kept his uh, the same closet that he kept his notes and pictures in. So at the end of Robert Sheldon's head, there was some vertebrae that was still attached. Mm-hmm. So when I say he separated some of the bones, okay. he pulled those vertebrae off and put put those in a right. separate envelope. He's got the upper and lower teeth, and then now he's got the head. So he's got a little bone collection that right, right. starting in his uh-huh. closet. So so he's adding more evidence right. to his... Uh, to his
2: uh, repertoire. Repertoire.
0: All right. So in March of 1988, a man by the name of Chris Bryson was wandering the streets of downtown Kansas City when Robert drove by. While many of the male prostitutes knew to stay away from Robert, Chris never heard Chris never heard of him. Um, and he accepted when he asked him if he wanted to party. He got in his car, and the two men drove around for a bit drinking when Robert suggested that they go back to his house and get high. When they got there, they continued to drink. Then Robert suggested they go upstairs to watch TV. We all know this story. Yeah, sadly. As they head upstairs, Chris was first. Robert, behind him, smashes him on the back of the head with that iron pipe. um, And he falls face first into the stairs. Robert quickly injects him, drags him to the bathroom, undresses him, starts taking pictures of him in various poses. He picks him up and carries him to the bedroom and ties him to the bed frame. It's been over nine months since his last victim. The first entry in Trina's diary was, quote, 530-6, tied on bar/slash FRTFU finger, end quote, which, stud, which stood for front fiction fucked, and then he used his finger in the anus. Oh, Surely, yeah. That's, shortly.
2: That's another version of the
0: shocker. shortly before 8am Chris started to regain consciousness and tried to scream but was unable because the gag that he had in his mouth with his good old piano wire Robert then took his index finger and jabbed Chris in the right eye repeatedly with his hands tied behind his back and the gag in his mouth Chris could not stop the assault or defend himself There was no coverage. Right. Um, Robert then took a bleach-soaked cotton swab and put it on his eyeball. Oh, God. And he did this repeatedly. This caused so much pain that Chris began to shake violently. Robert claimed to use these extreme methods of pain to get the new prisoner into a position of total submission. Which ultimately meant the sooner Chris realized he was never going to leave, the sooner he would submit to all of Robert's sexual demands. Taking the same bar, he hit Chris over the head with it. Robert smashed his hands while they were still tied to the bedpost, breaking several bones and causing incredible pain. Robert clipped a set of electrical Robert clipped a set of electrical clips to his testicles and turned the current on causing his body to jolt up and jump off of the bed as much as he could for Mm -hmm. being tied to it. The whole time, he took pictures of Chris's reactions so he could savor it later. Once again, he injected drain cleaner near the vocal cords and told him that if he tried to scream, he would put it directly into his voice box. Then he turned Chris over and sodomized him violently. When he was done, he explained the rules to Chris. I feel like he probably just could have started there, and I'd have been like, all right. I I know. know, (laughs) Thank you. You don't have to
2: do all this and then explain the rules.
0: He told him he was only to talk when when asked a question, and if he wanted to live, he would need to obey him completely, not fight back at any time, or he would be punished severely. Later that night, Chris and Robert talked. Robert learned that Chris was 21, married, and had a son at home.
2: Oh, my God.
0: Robert reminded him not to try to escape and said that if he ever tried to bite him. <laughs> See, I would have stopped when the guy tried to
2: bite my dick off. Yeah. I would have been like, I can't I, trust it. Right. Don't, don't, don't come near my dick.
0: He, he said that if he ever tried to bite him, he would remove all of his teeth with pliers, no pain relievers or sedatives. And if he tried, um, and if he tried to hit him, he would break his arms. He would receive no medical attention. Robert put a heavy leather dog collar around Chris's neck and attached a dog leash to it so he could control him. Robert showed Chris pictures of all the other men that he had tortured and killed and said that they all died because they didn't follow the rules and he wouldn't hesitate to kill him too. If he behaved, he would be rewarded, but there was no negotiation regarding sex which was to happen each morning before he went to work and each night without question. And if he bitched about it, he would be punished. Uh, Fuck that guy. (laughs) I'm sorry.
2: I just, I've so had it with this dude.
0: I know. I know. (laughs) Soon they established a routine where Robert would have anal sex with Chris in the morning, then tie him to the bed. And also, um, you know, he held the gag in place with the piano wire. That he tied so tightly, if he struggled too much, it would cut his mouth. Then he turned up the TV so no one could hear him. Chris asked Robert before one morning, before he left one morning, if it was possible not to tie his hands over his head because it cut off circulation to his arms. And Robert actually agreed. And over the next two days, he tied Chris up with his hands around his legs and front. Oh, okay. So they're in the front. Okay. Right. Which still sucks. But, but at least but
2: it's not here and all the blood's yeah. draining down. Yeah, and, oh, and your body trying
0: to pump that blood back up you know, to your hands. Like yeah, exactly. Would would have been very difficult. Chris quickly realizes that if he worked at it, the knots um he could get them free. He could get his hands free. He could mm-hmm. untie the knots. Um but he was extremely terrified of Robert walking in while he was trying to get free. Four days passed. And after the morning sex, Chris waited until he was sure Robert was gone and started working on the ropes around his wrist. Within 20 minutes, his hands were free and he was able to remove the gag from his mouth. While trying to get the knots undone from around his ankles, he realized they were too tight and thought that it would just take too long to get them off. Mm. So instead, like this guy's really using his brain here, Mm -hmm. instead of fiddling with the knots, he uses the matches from the nightstand to burn the ropes. Oh, good for him. Standing up, he struggled to keep his balance. He didn't know where his clothes were. And he's thinking at any fucking minute, this, guy's this gonna crackhead's going to come back. <laughs> right. And he has to get out of here. Now, he's still drugged up with whatever mm. Robert decided to inject him with that morning. And he stumbles over to the window. He opens it and he climbs out. The sun burns his eyes. Ugh. Remember, um, he had the bleach, bleach. in them. So yeah. he's got some serious damage. Standing on the ledge, he jumped, breaking a bone in his foot. He hurriedly struggled to his feet. He stumbles down the sidewalk. He's disoriented. He still has the drugs in his system. He's naked. He's got the dog collar on, Ugh. the leash still attached to it. But he's moving. Like, he's he's hauling, he's hauling ass. ass. And he's out of the yard. Like, he's in the, the road street, street, the sidewalk, whatever. He's going. A man walks up, the, a man that was walking up the sidewalk was the first to see him, bruised, limping, beaten, swollen red eyes. Chris screamed for help, struggling to talk with the drain cleaner still in his throat. But he was able to tell the man that he had been held captive and tortured by a, quote, crazy son of a bitch in that house there, end quote. And then he pointed at Robert's home. The man helped Chris to a neighboring house that was owned by Felix Duran Jr., and asked him to call the police immediately. Now, the sight of all this scared Felix, and he would not let him in the house, but he did agree that they could stand on the porch and that he would call the police. And it really didn't take long. It was within minutes, Kansas City police were on their way. It was April 2nd, 1988, and the Kansas City butcher's reign of terror had ultimately come to an end. I know.
2: Thank the Lord. This I guy, I have been waiting for this moment Yeah. this entire time. Uh, you, can't, you don't have a clue how relieved I am at this point.
0: So when Officer Larry Lewis arrived on the scene, he had no idea what to expect. The call that came in said there was an injured nude male sitting on the front porch of a home on Charlotte Street. When Officer Lewis arrived, he spoke to the man who told him he had first seen Chris naked from the second story window. Officer Lewis noted the condition of Chris's body and face. Chris told the police he had been held captive, raped repeatedly, was drugged, and electrocuted. He told the police about the, first, about the photos Robert had shown him of all the other men who appeared to be dead. And the police quickly realized that this wasn't just a complaint involving a lover's quarrel. The police called an ambulance and gave Chris a blanket to cover up with. Soon, more officers showed up, and within minutes, the Kansas City Police Department Crimes Against Persons Division was notified, and then the Homicide Squad was notified. So they've got everybody. Good. Officer Cherry and Officer Metzger knocked on Robert's door, but there was no answer. No one appeared to be home except the dogs that were barking. Chris was already on his way to the hospital, so he was safe. Good. By the time uh, Officer Cherry and Officer Metzer decided to wait out front just for a little bit to see if he would come home, Mm -hmm. they were anticipating him to arrive based on what Chris told him. Really, at any time, right? Just before noon, Robert's red Toyota, Robert's Toyota Tercel. I don't know where I got the color red from, but (laughs) whatever. Pulled up to the house. Robert, a stout man, we said he put some weight on, with thick-framed glasses and a mustache, mm. got out and walked across the street to the waiting police car. What's going on here, he innocently asks. Who are you, asked Officer Cherry. My name is Bob Burdella The officers got out of the car and walked around to Robert, who was now shaking. You're being arrested for investigation of sexual assault, Mr. Burdella You have the right to remain silent. Robert was cuffed and placed in the back of the police cruiser and decided he would quiz Officer Cherry, and she turns off the police radio. So Robert couldn't hear any of the background static that's going on uh, specifically about him.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, because it's all about him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Berdella, we're investigating an alleged sexual assault. Would you be willing to consent to search of your home? What for, Robert asked, faking ignorance. To check the victim's report, Officer Cherry answered. What's his name? Uh. Robert asked. Yeah, like that's (laughs) that's 101. Right. (laughs) Officer Cherry made a mental note that Robert asked what his name was and responded, I don't feel the liberty to go into that right now. Where is he? Robert asked. And by this point, Officer Metzger stepped in and told Robert directly, We have him and he's talking. Robert now sat quietly for a few minutes, then said, If you won't give me any information, I will have to respectfully decline letting you go into my home.
2: Oh, well, that's smart on his part, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah, shut up. Right? It's <laughs> the only smart thing that he's done. <laughs> I'm just saying. During the ride to the police station, Robert was heard saying, and I quote, this isn't right, end quote. What's not right? The fact that he's getting caught. I mean, uh, what did that's he? that's ex- not right. That's just not right. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> Just after 2 p.m., with a search warrant in hand, police knocked on the front door of Robert's home and waited for an answer. He knocked a, They knocked a second time and yelled, Police officers, we have a search warrant. When no one came, they knocked open the door. Robert's dogs uh, had to be removed by animal control. The first floor of the home was a complete mess. Papers, boxes uh, were everywhere, along with huge piles of dog shit, this covered most of the first floor, and, of course, it made it difficult to walk through, let alone I couldn't imagine what it smelled like.
2: What is it with these serial killers and, like, just filthy homes? I,
0: I It speaks to their mental capacity. Clearly. Um, the kitchen was filthy, dirty dishes, and a rotting turkey was in a pot on the stove, which reportedly just smelled rancid Blech. and hatred. The officers moved up to the second floor and found the bedroom that Chris claimed he had jumped out of a power transformer was sitting beside the bed Um, the ropes that had tied chris down were still attached to the bed frame on the table next to the bed was a tray of syringes and a ton of prescription drugs and it did not take long for the police to find a bottle full of a box full of polaroid pictures and they recognized several pictures of chris which by the way would be so
2: embarrassing oh my god no doubt
0: each photo showed a different situation, but all involved Chris, appearing to be in a lot of pain and appearing to be tortured. A stack of books caught the attention of some of the officers, books like Satanic Interpretation and Lifestyle and How to Create Poisons and the Antidotes to Them. And this caused the officers to suspect they were possibly dealing with a satanic cult. In a hallway closet, police found a human skull Beside two small bags of human teeth and another bag of human vertebrae, in a box found under Robert's bed, they found a large uh, box of photos, all of all the other naked men that he had killed. And of course, they didn't know at the time that right he had the, those them.
2: people were dead. Yeah. Right,
0: Another box contained notebooks with dates, times, and abbreviations. The photos were tied neatly together and they were organized. Some photos. Um, men who were not of Chris had carrots or cucumbers protruding from there.
2: Can you imagine being a cop Cucumber. and coming upon these pictures? Mm-hmm.
0: Nope, not at all. I, I, I think you go in there thinking one thing, and then it's like, holy oh, shit, took yeah. A turn. Another photo showed a man suspended, now this is Jerry, mm-hmm. upside down from the ceiling in the basement, who appeared to be lifeless and gray in color, like he had no body, no blood in his body. Because the original search warrant was for a sexual assault of Chris, when the police found more evidence, they suggested that there was potential for homicides and additional uh, assaults. Mm -hmm. They stopped the search until a new warrant could be issued. By 7 p.m., police had cordoned off the entire property and were going through the house with a fine-tooth comb. In a leather suitcase, police found hundreds of photos of men being tortured, some with bags over their heads, Um, In a separate bag, a wallet was found with a driver's license belonging to Walter James Ferris. On the dining room table, there were several brown envelopes with press clippings from the Kansas City Star on a missing man named Jerry Howell. It was becoming clear that they were dealing with more than a homosexual kidnapper. The clutter made the search very difficult. There were huge piles of oddities belonging to uh, Robert Shopped, Uh, Shop that he kept in the flea market, and investigators took their time determining what was relevant to the crime and what was just complete crap. It was 2 a.m. when investigators decided to take a break for the night. The police still needed their arrest warrant for Robert, or he would be set free Sunday morning. He could be held for up to 24 hours without being charged. They realized quickly what they had in front of them and decided it would be quicker to charge him with the sexual assault charges. But they knew that they uh, that they could not risk releasing him. So they they charged him with a lesser right intended on charging right just to keep him. A picture yeah. A picture album was prepared with six photos in it, including Robert, who was being kept in a holding cell. And at the hospital, Chris was able to identify Robert immediately as the man that had taken him prisoner and raped him repeatedly and tortured him for four days. With the positive identification, Chris had provided, a warrant was issued for the arrest and charging of Robert Berdella of Kansas City for nine felony counts, ranging from sodomy, first degree assault, and felonious felonious, 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 <laughs> felonious <laughs> restraint. I never good job felonious felonious felonious. Yeah, I was felonious. waiting for you to spit it oh, out. And I was, I was gonna like, to screw "What's going it on?" Up. <laughs> And I'm and I'm and I'm so anxious because I want to get to the end of this. And I'm like it. I'm like oh my god. <laughs> people are like thank God they finally shut up and are going through it now. <laughs> By this point, people realized they had a serious crime scene, and with the bones and the pictures they found, the police started to worry about who truly had and how many. Yeah, people I'm sure they're, they're trying to had, figure out had been there and were were murdered, mur- murdered. Right. The more evidence police found the more they were convinced that they had a serial killer and they decided to do some digging in the backyard. Uh, they just decided this, right? And it <laughs> I know that's weird that they well, would just
2: decide. Well, I guess I would Probably too. not. I'd be like, dig this shit up, dig yeah. it all up. Yeah. And
0: it did not take long before they found this skull that still had clumps of f- flesh and hair on it. Ugh. The head of Larry Pearson. Clearly, <laughs> there was no doubt that Robert Berdella was a serial killer. Or Larry. Yeah. Of course, by now, word had leaked to the media And through Robert's neighborhood, that something serious was happening. News vans and reporters flooded the streets, hoping to see something uh, noteworthy. Traffic clogged the streets, and more police were called in just to keep cars moving. So it was a carnival circus for sure. Right. At police headquarters, Robert sat quietly in his cell. His attorney tried to seek bail, but he was quickly refused. Mm. There was nothing he could do but wait until his arraignment. Robert called his mom, and she was shocked that Robert had been arrested. Both her and her husband went to Kansas City immediately to support him, and by now the scope of Robert's brutality was really sinking into the police and to the media. Robert could not sleep. He would sit silently in his cell and shake every time the police found something in his house. He claimed to have trouble dealing with what he had done and couldn't believe it had all come down to this investigators continued to go through the evidence, and believe me, there was plenty.
2: Well, yeah, and he was so organized, it made their jobs a lot easier. It did.
0: <laughs> and he tried to make sense of, you know, they, they tried to make sense of the notebooks and the abbreviations, et cetera. They hadn't been able to identify the skull they found in the backyard, but they were able to do some cross-referencing and found out that Robert had, in fact, been questioned twice for the disappearance of both Robert, I'm sorry, Jerry Howell and James Ferris. Mm-hmm. At the time there was not enough physical evidence to continue investigating Robert and the cases went cold. Now Ferris's wallet and license was found in Robert's house along with pictures of him being tortured. And this is information or in this is just you can't deny this. No. This is evidence. Hard evidence. Hardcore.
2: I, I mean, he he shot himself in the foot when he took all those damn pictures.
0: Yeah, he did. The detectives were leery of releasing more information than necessary to the media, but the public was demanding to know what was going on, and it was not, and it, w- and it was getting heated. Meanwhile, investigators continued their search. Robert's basement was tested with luminol, and as they expected, the room lit up like a carnival. There was blood on the floors, on the walls, on the ceiling. Inside several garbage cans, it was clear that at least one murder and dismember- dismemberment had taken place in the basement. On a workbench, a gas-powered chainsaw tested positive for human blood. And when taken apart, the inner gears were chocked full with human hair. A circular power saw tested positive for blood and had human hair and bone fragments inside the blade guard. Police pieced together the crime scene and could make sense of the photographs and the diaries. From what they could tell, there were six men who had been captured, but they had only... Physical evidence from the skull that they had found in the backyard. And police suspected it was the head of the victim before Chris. Inside the diaries, investigators were disgusted at the extent of what these men went through. Many people refused to believe Robert could have done what the media and police were now saying that he had done. And Robert made little to no effort to hide his homosexuality and it was common to see young men coming and going, but there was nothing to suggest that he was capable of torture and murder, and murder that the police and media were talking about. I guess I just, I,
2: I, he had, there was so much evidence in his house. How is it, it to me, it's, it's not like, okay, this is, guy is guilty beyond a thousand guilts. I don't understand why there would be any question that he hadn't killed people.
0: Well, they they see pictures, right? Sure, of dead people, and they have, and they have. Well, the the one that they suspected was dead, right? Right. No, I get it. So, I mean, I can kind of see it both ways, but we know he's guilty as fuck. Uh,
2: yeah, I just it, to me
0: it like oh, he, he gets his.
2: No, I I I understand, but I, I it's to me it's just
0: they want They want as much as they can, and then <sighs> they. I mean, they had yeah. they had more than enough. Um, investigators turned the case over to the prosecution team who are preparing a trial or who were preparing a trial against Robert for murdering six men. The trial was com- complicated because they did not have any bodies. And back then it was even more difficult to prove than it than sure. it is now. I mean, we, we yep, have DNA been able to prove stuff, it now. Yeah. Um, what they did have was positive identification of Larry Pearson's skull uh, that they, they ended up receiving uh, from dental records, as well as 60 photos of Larry and Robert's house in different stages of torture. Mm. They also had written notes from Robert that described each murder in detail. They confirmed the handwriting in the notebooks was without a doubt Robert's. Investigators matched the cut marks on the vertebrae found with the blade marks on the circular saw. And so this proved Robert used the saw to cut up to cut up Larry's body. Tests on the tissue that was still present on Larry's skull tested positive for the medications that he had injected him with, and both were found uh, in Robert's home. Investigators, the medication was found in Robert's home. Investigators could also prove that Robert knew Larry based on the fact he paid Larry's bond and bailed him out of jail just before Larry went missing. Uh, They also knew they were dealing with several homicides, at least six, maybe seven, and the prosecution moved forward to trial with a first-degree murder charge against Robert Bob Burdella for the death of Larry Pearson. It's sad
2: that it's only the one guy that they're trying to...
0: Well, they went with what they had for sure. Sure. And if found guilty, could potentially carry a death sentence, something everyone now wanted. Shit, a- yeah. Yeah. Authorities were a little worried because of the amount of circumstantial evidence they had and decided not... Uh, to file or or not file in an intent to seek the death penalty. Let me say that again. Intent to seek the death penalty. So Mm -hmm. they didn't file for that. Sure. On August 3rd, Robert appeared before Judge Randall for the charge of first-degree murder and the death of Larry Pearson. Robert showed little emotion and sat quietly. Robert's attorney responded to the charge, quote, Thank you, Judge. At this time, it's the defendant's intention to enter a plea of guilty as charged to murder in the first degree, end quote completely unexpected by the defense but by pleading guilty before the state could file to seek the death penalty robert was preventing them from being able to put him to, to death. death right there was also the five unidentified men that authorities ath- assumed presumed were murdered it was all circumstantial and would be difficult to prove in court robert only thinking about himself his most pressing his most pressing issue was preventing the state from seeking the death penalty for the murders of the other five men the prosecution and defense defense decided if robert offered a full confession to include the names of the six men and any other men that he killed the state would not seek the death penalty against him this satisfied robert and he sat with and he sat with investigators and the prosecution and told his story more than 700 pages of it holy shit that's like that's a, a, a novel i can't even get one it
2: <laughs> that's a novel that's more no, than a novel I,
0: yeah i i know 700 pages I mean, we, I mean hell it's taken us three episodes to go through what he's done almost 40 pages right. I, I
2: can't imagine seven jeez god
0: <laughs> containing every detail including deciphering the abbreviations and identifying all the men in the photos he provided detailed descriptions on how he had met each victim and how he captured them. He outlined how he tortured them, why he did what he did, and how each man died. When asked if he was involved in satanic rituals or cults, remember those magazines, right? Robert said without hesitation, no, that was something that annoyed him. And on December 19th, Robert Berdilla, the Kansas City butcher, stood before Justice Mayer's, and listen to each charge and acknowledge responsibility, which I think is a good thing. He acknowledged right instead of sure. I mean, but that's the least he could do. I agree. Um, he acknowledged responsibility just as it was agreed to in the plea agreement. Robert would receive two life sentences with no chance of parole and four conditional life sentences for second-degree murder. Six men were kidnapped, imprisoned, tortured, repeatedly sodomized. Murdered, and their bodies were dismembered. They were drugged, alone, scared, and in what I would consider to be the most terrible pain imaginable. And for this, Robert remained in prison for the rest of his natural life until October of 1992, when at 43 years old, he died of a heart attack. And
2: that wasn't soon enough.
0: I got chills just now. I, yeah.
2: I am so done with this guy. <laughs> yeah. I can't even begin to tell you.
0: Yeah. I'm over it. He, um and remember his father had died of a, her- I know. Of a heart attack at 39. 39. So, yeah.
2: So he was in line. Yeah. And I hope he went straight to hell.
0: I, he got literally, um I, I don't, there's no justice.
2: No, there's no, there
0: will never be justice
2: for those families, for those people. Th- I mean, God.
0: If you, <sighs> if you dr- had drawn and quartered him, it wouldn't have been enough.
2: What possesses someone to think like that, to yeah. want to do those things? I I'm just I've never. This is probably the worst
0: episode we've done.
2: <laughs> it really is. It's, it's. I mean, gore and and just the content itself.
0: Yeah, it definitely was a lot. It took a lot out of me, and it took a lot out of you listening to it. Ugh. Um, but it it was it was somebody who's been on my list for for a while. It's definitely someone that I wanted to, uh, to, to,
2: well, I'm glad you shared
0: to discuss or
2: everybody still on. needs to go wash their mouths. Yeah. They're you guys that go mind eraser. I
0: will tell you, um, when mm. at nights, when I was doing this, I would put on like, you know, golden girls when Our I was done, or like Steinfeld. something, something really light that I could fall asleep to because there were a couple nights that I just could
2: I would have been terrified. <laughs> I would not have been able to sleep either. Yeah.
0: So, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Yes, um, we, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's like I said, it's uh, it's a lot of work. Or one of us said, we put a lot of work into these. So, I hope you were able to enjoy these three episodes of Robert Burdilla.
2: Yeah. Up next will be a little bit lighter. Maybe we'll decide. Let's
0: <laughs> see. We got, we got a little bit. We got some we got tricks up week. our sleeves.
2: And um, yeah, remember CrimeCon is coming up. Yep. Which we are very excited about.
0: Absolutely. Matter of fact, it's going to be coming up in just a couple. Of weeks.
2: That it will. I think it's like two, two three weeks now. I think so, if I remember correctly. So um, again, send us your um, thoughts and any ideas that you guys might have, and don't forget to check us out on all our on all our platforms. Bye. Bye.
1: This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson podcast studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Nick the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show. Please visit StatusMacab.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Nink the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.